If you had 30 minutes with Jesus, just the two of you, over coffee, he probably drinks coffee. He definitely drinks coffee. Over coffee or a burrito, 30 minutes. What would you want to talk about? What do you think he would want to talk about? Some of us would have theological questions about portions of Scripture we don't understand. Some of us would want to know how God created the universe and why. Some of us would want to talk about something that has happened in our life in a certain way. And why did God let that happen? Maybe why did our loved one die instead of being healed or whatever it might be. We might find it really interesting to consider what one thing we think Jesus might ask us as well. I might suggest to you whatever you whatever pops to your mind, whatever you think, the answer to that question might be it may be worth bringing to him in prayer sometime soon. But the reality is there were people who had those moments. People whose stories are recorded in the Gospels and they had brief encounters with the Messiah and got to ask him anything, got to talk to him about anything and he with them. We're going to be doing a, a, a brief series over the summer. We're just going to pop in and out of it. Um, we're going to step into some of these conversations as a, as a fly on the wall. An observer and learn what we can from their moment with Jesus. Today we're going to step into... The Gospel of John, chapter 3. And into a conversation that Jesus had with a man named Nicodemus. We're going to read a significant portion of Scripture. Um, We're going to read a significant portion of Scripture from the Gospel of John, starting in chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi... We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, 
Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify of what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe me. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people have loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Let me just pause for a moment for us to say a big hello to, to Helen McMinn. Hey, Helen. Um, Helen is, uh, uh, has been a missionary for many years to, to Africa. She's tried to retire a few times, I think. And uh, she's still doing significant mission work in Africa. And so uh, we just so appreciate you, Helen. I know our church has supported you in many ways over the years, so welcome. Uh, if you were reading along in, uh, in, in that passage, potentially in the New International Version, which I was reading in, and potentially in a red letter edition where the words of Jesus are in red, you may have noticed that the last few verses from 16 on that we read are not in red. Um, 
However, in just about every other English translation of this passage, those words are in red. And I would suggest to you that those words were a part of the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Um, so anyways, let's dive into our conversation. Passage tells us, we introduces us to this, this guy named Nicodemus. And it tells us that he is a, he's a Pharisee, which I know in our modern context, um, we almost use Pharisee as a synonym for hypocrite, right? D don't we do that? And, and that's because of some of, the, some of the things Jesus said about the Pharisees. But understand that in that time, in that culture, in that moment, a Pharisee was not, was not despised by, the, by the, the religious people, the Jews. They were not looked down on. They were not thought of as hypocrites. They were highly revered. They were, they were you know, the religious leaders. They were the ones that people looked up to, to tell them how to, to live for God. He was a Pharisee, and it says, a member of the Jewish ruling council, the great Sanhedrin. Seventy-one members, a president and 70 others, that, that were the top authority among the Jews, and even in the time of Roman occupation were given a lot of authority to lead and rule over the Jewish people. So Nicodemus had made it. He was a revered teacher of the scriptures. He had been chosen to serve on the ruling council. But our passage says that he comes at night to Jesus. It doesn't elaborate. It just simply throws it out there. But we know that that tells us something, doesn't it? Why, why would John bother to tell us that he came at night unless it was significant? And it was significant because this is an off-the-record conversation that Nicodemus wants to have with Jesus. There would be a great cost to Nicodemus to identify with Jesus. There would be a great cost socially. He would be mocked. There would be a great cost politically. He would possibly lose his seat on the Sanhedrin. It would cost him his reputation as a rabbi. It might even cost him his life. The Sanhedrin were given the authority in that culture to put to death anyone who was deemed a heretic, a rabbi that was teaching heresy. It could have a great cost for Nicodemus in this moment to identify with Jesus. Let me ask what 
What cost are you willing to pay to identify with Jesus? It could cost you socially, in your neighborhood, at work, at school, in a town like this where everyone knows everyone, right? It could cost you socially. It has always been costly to be zealous for our faith. <laughs> it has always been costly to be zealous for our faith. It's one thing if you go to church, but to actually talk about Jesus, you'll be labeled a preacher or a Jesus freak or any number of other things. But let me suggest that as society gets more intolerant of intolerance, it is becoming unacceptable to follow a faith with exclusive claims. You can believe whatever you want, just don't suggest that your truth might actually be the truth. Then people will turn against you. It's just beginning, but it is going to get more intense to identify with Jesus. We don't need to be surprised by it. It's okay. Our master Jesus told us that it was going to happen. It was going to come. In, Mar in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says this, verse 21, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. Verse 26, so do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others... I will disown before my Father in heaven. To identify with Jesus today and in the days to come, it could cost you friends. It could cost you a promotion at work. 
at some point, yes, it could even cost our lives. But what a way to go. What a way to go, declaring the name of Jesus. Declaring our faithfulness to him. story goes on. Our conversation goes on. Nicodemus says to Jesus, we know that you are a teacher who comes, who has come from God, for no one could do the signs you have done unless God were with him. Isn't that strange? Why then are they trying to conspire to have him killed? Why then are they resisting him? Why, why then are they, are they um, you know, trying to, to discredit him and destroy him? They recognize the miracles. They recognize the power of God working through Jesus, but want to try and stop him because he threatens their comfort. He threatens their stability. Knowing who Jesus is, knowing what he has done, understanding the theology about who he is, liking his teachings, all of that means nothing If we are not willing to identify with him, what will you do with Jesus? These religious leaders understood that this is, this is a prophet from God at the very least. This is a prophet from God who is here to do the things of God on this world and yet they willfully chose not to believe in him. Chose not to align their lives with his. What will you do with Jesus? Will you believe him? Will you obey him? Will you follow him? Will you go his way instead of your way? Jesus is not looking for people to believe a catalog of information about him, but he is looking for people to change their allegiance of their heart and follow him. Jesus responds by saying, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. If you've been listening, you've heard me say this before, but I will say it over and over. This, when Jesus says this, he is not talking about, when he says, no one will see the kingdom of God unless they are born again, he's not saying 
you won't go to heaven when you die unless you are born again. Now, I'm not saying that's not true, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying that you you are unable to see the kingdom of God at work around you unless you are born into the kingdom. We can't see the kingdom of God unless we are in the kingdom. You cannot see, you cannot understand, you cannot grasp the upside-down kingdom of God that makes no sense to those who are not in it if you are not born into the kingdom. Can you see the principles of God at work? Can you see what God is up to? Can you see how God is transforming the world? We cannot perceive spiritual things without the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says exactly that. Paul says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. It's only when we surrender our lives to Jesus and we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us that we can begin to understand spiritual things. We can begin to understand what the Bible is really trying to communicate to us. What God is really up to. Our world today says the opposite of this, that seeing is believing. Right? Show me irrefutable proof and then I will believe. Seeing is believing. But faith in the kingdom of God does not work that way. Yes, there is much evidence of the truths of God's word. There is evidence of the Christian faith. It is built on the... Faith is built on solid foundations. And we're actually going to have a guest in, in about three weeks, four weeks, four weeks, um, from a ministry called Ratio Christi, which is Latin for reason of Christ. It's an apologetics ministry or a ministry that equips people to have answers for questions about, about their faith. The Christian faith is a reasonable faith, but you can answer all the questions that someone has and still, until they take the step of faith to believe, they will not truly see. I remember going over to a friend's house one one night because he had a bunch of questions about the Bible, about faith in Christ. And we talked for hours, well past midnight, well into the night. We talked for hours. 
And he, he just fired question after question at me. And it just felt like we were going around and around in circles and not getting anywhere. And all of a sudden, in that conversation, in a moment, I sensed the Spirit of God move into the room. And I just said, John, do you want to believe? And he said, yeah, I think I do. And I let him, in a prayer of surrender to Jesus. It wasn't about answering his questions. It was about having a moment of encounter with Jesus where he simply said yes. And all of a sudden, things started to click into place for him and make sense. So Jesus talks about being born again, and Nicodemus doesn't get the analogy. He's, he's, he's so literal, right? Like he's, he's spent his life just studying the words of Scripture, and he's, he's just got this literal mind, and, and he just doesn't understand. And you want me to go back in my mother's womb? That's awkward, right? Like, how's that going to work? Jesus says those that, that, that there's, there's our physical birth, but there is an opportunity for every person who turns to Christ to be reborn, to be born again, to be born into a new way of living, born into new innocence born into a relationship with the Father. And of course, Nicodemus says, how can this be? I just don't understand. And Jesus says, you're a teacher of Israel. How is it you don't get this? How is it that you don't understand? The very ones who should get it. The very ones who should grab hold of it. And you don't get it. Nicodemus had spent literally his entire life studying the Scriptures. But he was like other Pharisees. In John chapter 5, Jesus said to them, You study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, and he would say to you today, if you're holding out until everything makes sense before surrendering your life to Jesus, you will be stuck in a loop of just trying to understand and trying to understand. 
But I think what Jesus was saying to him and what he would say to you today. Do you sense his presence? Do you sense him drawing you? Just say yes to him. Surrender to him. And believing will be seeing. The Spirit of God will fill your heart and begin to show you truths that will astound you. And then Jesus says this really strange thing about Moses putting a snake on a pole. Kind of weird. But he's drawing from a story in the Old Testament where the people had rebelled against God and there was a, a plague of venomous snakes that came into the camp and thousands of people were bitten by these snakes. The people called out to God in repentance, called out to God for help. And God told Moses to put a bronze serpent on a pole and for the people to look at that serpent and to believe and that God would heal them from the venom and save them. Strange miracle, right? Strange story. But it was also one of hundreds and hundreds of images pointing forward to Christ. Jesus himself here says, like Moses put the serpent on the pole, I will be raised up from the earth and those who look to me will be saved. How was a snake on a pole a picture of Jesus? Except that when Jesus hung on that cross, he took upon him our sin and the poison of our sin. And he became on that cross the image of everything that is ugly about you and me. And it was nailed to that cross. And as we gaze upon the cross and believe on the one who took my venom upon himself, I am saved from the venom of sin in my life. Amen? And Jesus says that everyone, when I'm lifted up, Son of Man is lifted up, everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. For God so loved the world that he gave. Right? The most memorized verse of all the Bible, I'm sure. But the way that we communicate the gospel sometimes
you might think that Jesus would have said, for God so hated the world that he punished his son. But Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his son. So loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus came willingly. The father sent the Logos, the word of God, in the flesh to bear our sin to death on the cross. To rise again so that the ugliness of our sin would be washed away. We would be found in Christ and everything that stands between us and God would be removed so that we could be reconciled and receive eternal life. Heavenly life. And then Jesus talks about light and dark. Remember, Nicodemus came in the dark. He came in the dark. Jesus says in verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen what they have, been do what they have done has been done in the sight of God. I believe when Jesus said this, he wasn't just speaking tr theological truth, but he was saying, Nicodemus, come into the light. Come into the light. You've been hiding in the shadows. Come into the light. I believe Jesus was clear. He was direct, but he was patient. Nicodemus is invited out of the shadows, invited off the fence, invited to choose an allegiance with Jesus. We encounter Nicodemus two more times in the Gospel of John. The second time is in John chapter 7, where the, the plotting has begun to take Jesus' life. The Sanhedrin is having a conversation. And Nicodemus puts his hand up. He says, well, what if we maybe just listen to what he has to say? And instantly they turn on him and say, are you a Galilean too? Do you want to be one of his followers? In other words, do you want to die too? And Nicodemus pulls back into the shadows again. But then in John chapter 19, we're popular today. 
in John chapter 19, when Nicodemus sees where the resistance and the unbelief of the Pharisees led them to actually crucifying the one that they knew had come from God, it was too far for him. And Nicodemus makes a public act of allegiance to Jesus as he joins Joseph of Arimathea in taking the body of Jesus off the cross. John 19, verse 38, Later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, another one in the shadows, secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. But he's had enough too. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away, and he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. It's no longer night, and Nicodemus has stepped out of the shadows, and he has aligned his life with Jesus I now am going to choose to believe in the one who has died for me, even if it costs me my life as well. I will align my life with Jesus. Let's stand. Elijah, way back in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 18. As he's challenging the prophets of Baal and challenging the Israelites who are trying to mix the worship of Yahweh with the worship of Baal. He says, how long will you waver between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, then worship him. If Baal is God, worship him. And then it says, but the people said nothing. Folks, we are in an age when most people and unfortunately, many even in the church want to keep their options open. But that will not do. Jesus calls us to choose. To step out of the shadows, to identify our lives with him, and to choose to follow no matter the cost. So I believe he would call to us today, those of us in this room, those of us watching online, to be willing to come out of the shadows, to be willing to get off the fence. It's a really uncomfortable place to sit, by the way. Get off the fence and to choose to declare our allegiance 
with Jesus or with the world. But I choose Jesus. Amen? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back, though none go with me, though none go with me, I still will follow, though none go with me, I still will follow, though none go with me, I still will follow, no turning back, no turning back, I have decided one more time. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Father, I thank you for your faithful love. Your love that was displayed in Christ. Your love that was displayed on the cross. Thank you, God, that you have pursued us to the very end. That you love us with an everlasting love. God, I thank you today that you are speaking to hearts even here you're speaking to hearts on, that are watching online. God, to challenge us today and the days ahead to, to make sure that our allegiance is solid with you. We are turning our back on the world and turning our face towards the cross to follow you the rest of our days. Give us courage. Give us strength. We will need it. Give us strength and courage to pursue you, to follow you, no matter the cost. I thank you for Nicodemus' life. I thank you that we will see him one day. We'll be able to hear his story face to face because he said yes to you. He came out of the shadows and said yes. God, I pray for anyone today who would hear this message that's still, in, that's still on the fence, that's still wavering between two decisions that they would say yes to you enter into your kingdom 
filled with your spirit and walk out the rest of their journey with you. In Jesus' name we pray.